Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Goode. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. My name is Jesse McDonald, joined this week by Captain Jerkface, Keith Goode. Keith, how uh, are you, Jerkface? It's, it's, it's Jerky McJerkface. Thank you very much. I appreciate I that. that. I'm going to change well, your name to that on uh, my phone and your Slack at work. I, I think that would work really well on WebEx. Uh, yeah, and I think um, the VPs will definitely appreciate that name on there. How about yourself? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, again, as we seem to say every single week, it's been busy, man. Uh, <laughs> we're recording this on a Monday, and I've been in calls since 8 a.m. So this is good. I'm only kind of tired. <laughs> but this I've, is what I'm, you planned for. This is yeah, what you man. wanted to be when you were in sixth grade. You were like, I want to work in a corporation. Yep. Yeah, this is good. But I know this this call or this, I guess, episode in particular has really been driving me the past couple of weeks. I've been really looking forward to this. Um, yeah, I, I give you give you all the kudos, man. This was a Hail Mary pass for you. Uh, <laughs> The listeners probably don't don't realize I do a lot of the technical behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you you take care of the guest booking and you've thrown out a couple of Hail Marys and uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's done really well for you. So, yeah, I think so, because, uh, I mean, this is our first our first time branching out away from the digital marketing industry. So this is going to be good. Um, well, I, so I think well, I think we need to make sure that we we let people know that we're interested in talking to just anybody. Uh, but more specifically, yes. we're interested in talking to people who uh, are able to have a really good balance in their lives between having a successful career and also, you know, whatever hobbies and interests they have outside of that. Uh, we are the anti Gary V podcast. <laughs> That's going to be our, our new probably never a sponsor. I hope not. <laughs> jerk face. She's a jerk face. <laughs> Well, yeah, man, I'm really excited, and I'm excited because this week our guest is Mark Holcomb, guitarist and for the Grammy-nominated progressive metal band Periphery. When not creating face-melting, gent-tastic riffs with the guys in Periphery, Mark works on a number of side projects, including his own band Haunted Shores, his record label Three Dot Recordings, and his new clothing line Bottom Ramen. Welcome to the show, Mark Holcomb. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate uh, you making the time on a on a Monday afternoon. I like that you think we're making the time for you. No, man. <laughs> you know, you said it was a Hail Mary. I don't think it's as much of a Hail Mary as you guys think it is, man. I, sure, I, sure. Yeah, it's 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 something, you know, like when you reached out to uh to talk to me about being on the podcast, I was like, I was like, this guy seems cool. It's like I know we've met before and online. Mm -hmm. Like you and I are friends and like, you know, the, the, the first criteria is like, you've, ne you've never seen like a crazy, like, uh, just like a crazy <laughs> person online. And that's always the, the, the first box you got to check, you know? And yeah, you guys seem cool and down to earth. You haven't posted anything, you know, like outlandish, you like, you're not a racist or, 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 homophobe <laughs> or anything like that. You're nothing crazy. So I, yeah. I saw that and I was like, well, this guy seems awesome. I want to do this. Cool. I'm glad I've hidden my crazy from you uh, well enough <laughs> yeah. to have you agree to be on this show. And I do to clarify, no, I'm not a racist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Je in an interracial relationship. Uh, I'm definitely not a racist. <laughs> sort, sort of like our not sort of like our not a sponsor bit. It's uh, Jesse McDonald, not a racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, 
<laughs> and and there's no yet. There there's no yet. yet. So. There's never a yet. Uh, Keith, <laughs> Keith Good, not a racist. Well, it's funny because these sound like really simple, like basic things that are not that right. Are like, you're not supposed to be racist. You're not supposed to sound like a crazy person <laughs> online. But right now, 2020, it's the easiest time ever in in human history to know if your friends are crazy. Right. You know, or if they had a pro- if they have a problem, it's like okay, I know who to keep in my life and who not to keep in my life. So you've totally seen, man. on the short list, Jesse. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the short list. I'm on yeah. someone's short list. This is great. <laughs> I finally <Yeah>. did it. <laughs> so for those, because I mean, I'm very aware of you. I've been a big fan of your music for for a long time now. But for those who aren't and don't really know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally. Well, I'm a, I'm a professional musician, obviously. I, I've been in this business for uh, for about 10 years now on a touring level. Uh, I've been a musician sort of playing gigs and, and writing music and recording for the past whew, 25 years, which is nuts, quarter of wow. a century. Jesus, it's weird saying that out loud. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I've been in this field for a long time. Uh, and sort of at this point now, uh, you you know, you mentioned the other ventures and projects I have going on where sort of periphery, my band is, is, is the umbrella project. You know, it's this, uh, it's this band that tours, puts out records. That's sort of the, the heart of the machine that we have going. And under that, under that umbrella is, is our side projects. Like you said, the new clothing line, our own record label, which we release all of our side projects under, uh, and other bands albums as well uh and it's i like to call it a big big old passion project because we (laughs) don't want to look at periphery as work we look at the other sort of side ventures as the work uh with periphery being the thing that we put fun and energy into so uh so yeah it's 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 a it's a fun it's a fun time to be uh to be a member of periphery right now with all the stuff that we have going on yeah, totally. I'd imagine you guys are so DIY and really championing the, you know, make your your passion, your career, but at the same time, do other things to help fund that passion that are related to the passion. And yeah. I know you you and Misha have been talking about that for a couple of years now, which is it's super cool. It's always really inspiring because, I mean, me and Keith, we didn't go to school to be, you know, SEOs. We went to school for other things and found SEO. So we can't really say necessarily that our work is our passion, but our because it's well our work is our passion but it's not a hobby that became work it's kind of a subset so that's right it's interesting that we kind of live in a similar world in that regard yeah, well, speak yeah. for yourself i mean I, <laughs> yeah. I i was i was building websites as a hobby uh in the 90s like in 1996 97 and yeah. um i i think i was working as a writer uh at one point and I wanted to to change careers and uh, someone says, you should be an SEO. And I, I said, what is SEO? And I, it was, it wasn't until I looked at a definition of what search engine optimization was that I realized I had been doing it uh, on the side. So in a sense, it was a hobby. It's not something I was passionate about, like, I don't know, um, guitar playing or whatever, but you know, I landed in it. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, I a hundred percent landed in it. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, work versus passion and all this stuff, like I I think a lot of people take a look at what I do in periphery and what we all do in the band and and be like, God, you guys' jobs sound like a vacation. Um, (laughs) I understand that perspective in the sense that like, it's pretty hard to relate to 
like the idea of playing guitar for a living, but the playing guitar side is just a small, small, small portion. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the, the sort of cardinal rule for us is, and at least for me, I, I think I can speak for the rest of the guys is, is you have to be willing to put in the work, a lot of work. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I think all of us in the band have in common. That's what sort of brought us all together is that we're unafraid to work our asses off for something that we care about. Something that like in the beginning, we didn't even know that other people would care about and we didn't care. And I think now that still kind of holds true. I, I hope that's not sacrilege to people listening out there who, <laughs> who, like, who hear that as some kind of like, you know, fuck you to them. But it's, it, it really is about us needing to work, us needing to feed our time and energy into this project. And if you like it, we are elated. If you don't like it, sorry, but we're going to continue doing the work anyways, you know? And see, I think that's what's given you guys such staying power for so many years now. What, P P1 came out? 2010 2010 yeah um so i mean good god you guys are 10 years deep into the professional part away <laughs> from misha's demo stuff so i mean you've you've taken that attitude which is more of a we do it for us and if you like it great and that's why you've stayed in it because you're not doing it for anyone else but yourself and that's awesome yeah yeah you gotta stick to that and i, I think the danger of doing this and sort of steering your ship based on what other people say um you can hear that and you know i'm yeah. not going to name bands or name other artists but you can definitely hear when that happens mm -hmm. and I mean, you see it across like i don't know i was talking about um i was talking about the star wars movies with somebody recently and we were talking about the pitfalls of uh of putting too much emphasis on fan service mm -hmm. you know and it's just it's leaving your ears too open too receptive to to, to fan ideas, which is great to an extent, if you make movies, if you make art, if you make any kind of product that people can digest, but there is a danger. If totally. that's your own, if that's your only uh, goal in whatever you're making, I mean, I, I guess it's different for, for what you guys, you guys have to listen to, 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 to the customer, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, so we're in a unique situation also where we're, we work in-house at IBM. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of education on the best practices, mm -hmm. but let's say from our position, if we worked at an agency, which, I mean, I come from an agency background, you, you basically, you take what the client wants and you try to mold it to what's going to be best for both users and search engines and kind of meet in the middle. Um, so, I mean, it, it realistically, if you do it well, you can kind of have the same mentality of, I'll take your input, but that's not what's going to work for me and what I'm trying to achieve. Right. 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 <clears throat> and, and if, and if you're the type of SEO that is only looking for what everyone is searching for, if you're only trying to build something that everyone is searching for, you're going to, you're going to miss the mark in, in so many instances, because there's a, there's a, there's a nice Venn diagram of relevance to content that has to happen in order for it to make any sense for someone. You can, you can aim for a keyword with 94,000 searches per month, but if it's not relevant to what you offer, you're just going to piss a bunch of people off if they get your website <laughs> instead of something yeah, that's yeah. more relevant. So yeah. And, and I get what you're saying about fandom. We just had this conversation a few days ago with someone and, and um, we were, we were basically lamenting the fact that fandom is great because it makes you feel a part of something. It feels like you found your, your niche, you found your your tribe in in mm -hmm. many instances, but at the same time, it can be a very destructive um, 
force. Uh, Star Wars is a great example of people claiming that Lucas ruined their childhood in so many instances. And, you know, so many people with so many opinions who were not in the creative process. And I think probably, you know, we talked about racism earlier. This has become a, a world in which people are given the ability to give their opinion at unprecedented levels um, without creating anything. So, you, you know, there, there are people who create and there are people who criticize. And, you know, unfortunately, there are more people who criticize than create. So, yeah, but I, I appreciate you're able to stay true to your vision and goals for that, uh, w despite the fandom. And you, you keep the fans. And it sounds like, you're, you know, obviously you're growing the fan base. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a weird it's it's such a weird effect because it seems like like the less you let that sort of steer the ship, the better you do, which is so mm -hmm. counterintuitive. And it takes I don't know for for me it, it would have taken me a lot longer of a time to realize this if it not if it were not for the sort of attitudes of uh, of my bandmates and everybody we have in place. You know, this sort of stubborn attitude to just keep doing <laughs> our thing and to filter everything and everyone out. Let's just keep our heads down and and do the work. Yeah, I think I, executives in the music industry need to go watch documentaries of Roger Waters from Pink Floyd talking about his conceptual albums, you know, like in the wall type stuff. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. he's totally in that like screw everyone sort of place. I'm not listening to what anyone has to say. And he's right. making some of like the best music ever. So, yeah, I haven't seen that. Haven't dangerous. I haven't seen I've never heard Roger Waters talk about uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, really? No, no, no. Oh man, he gets real, real in depth and crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely seems like the kind of guy who does not give a single fuck. <laughs> you should, um, you should go check out. Basically, the wall is his response to what life on touring off of animals was, which animals is obviously a big political statement in itself. But he noticed that he became real cynical and started building a wall up between himself and the audience because he started like spitting on the audience and shit. Um, so the wow. wall is supposed to be a physical representation of his life and building a wall up between himself and other people. Hmm. I have no idea. I might have liked Pink Floyd a lot in high school. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I'm going to have to revisit that with that in mind. I really had no idea. Yeah, man. Go listen to the wall again, understanding that that's what he's trying to do. So like the story of pink is the story of all the bad stuff that happened in Roger's life and how he built up a mental wall. And then eventually wow. that wall comes come crashing down at the end. And, and I have to imagine that like the size of his band and the size of his profile as like an artist, that kind of makes your relationship with the general public super mm -hmm. weird. I can't even imagine mm -hmm. that. Like, I yeah. mean, just personally speaking from periphery standpoints, like, we're not near that that big, that kind of band to where like we have to put up this huge wall in front of us and our, be mm -hmm. between us and our fans. Like we're very accessible, as you know. Yeah. Like you yeah. can write a message and we'll probably write you back. We're super accessible to people who like our music, which I think is part of our allure. Uh, that's mm -hmm. part of why people like us is that we're relatable and they can get a hold of us um, and they can ask us things and we can answer. Um, but I mean, you know, take one of these artists who's so famous, who's so big, who has, you know, someone who hasn't bought their groceries in like 20 years or something like that. <laughs> um, and I can't even imagine like the, the weird kind of gray area, not resentment, but just like. I, but yeah. then think about it. It kind of comes back around and you'll get this as someone who lives in Austin as well. Uh, I think before I moved here, I've lived here seven years, almost eight years. Um, right before I moved here, Robert Plant lived here 
and like not in a robert plant has this big mansion out in westlake uh you never see him like he would go to waterloo records and pick up his shit every month and he would go to the continental club and go see stuff and my buddy ran into him at uh the grocery store one time like and arguably you could say that robert plant's probably a little bit bigger than roger waters on the scale of of influential fame like but at some point he brought it right back around and he's just the common folk again but it's still robert plant that is the nature of austin though nature the the nature of austin is, is that um you can have someone who's quite famous and they, they can go to a cafe and, and be just fine. Uh, most people will leave you alone here. I know Elijah Wood, you know, he, he's a big fan of like Bolden Creek Cafe, for example. So I know he yeah. goes there quite a bit and, you know, people leave him alone. Um, it's, it's why I always hate when these, you know, these magazines, like uh, one of the Austin magazines that, that publishes a lot of inter- entertainment material was like, they gave the address, basically the addresses out of all of the famous people that lived in Austin. I thought <laughs> you're oh. ruining it for these people. Oh. <laughs> these people came oh. here to not be bothered um, yeah. and just be sort of casual and be among the people. So yeah, you, my, you my, came here, oh, sorry, came here in what? No, no, no worries. You came here in 2015, right? So uh, what are your thoughts on Austin so far? I love it, man. Like when we moved here, uh, we had lived in Washington, DC for 11 years, my wife and I, and, uh, we loved DC, man. Like we, we liked the city living. Uh, we lived in a pretty small apartment downtown and we were just little city rats, you know, um, that's where the band was based and it just made a lot of sense to be there. Um, but you know, what sort of opened up our, uh, our perspective is, uh, seeing some of our bandmates move out of the city. Uh, so I, I think Misha at that point, he moved, no, no, he stayed put. Uh, but, Jake moved to New York, Spencer, our singer, moved to Las Vegas. And at that point, we were just like, let's let's get a change of scenery. We can literally go anywhere. And uh, my wife had family here in Austin, and I've always loved Austin on tour. And, uh, you know, it was a, it's kind of a love at first sight kind of thing. Just like everybody was super nice here. I think there's kind of like this combination between a big city kind of feel and, uh, and people being warm, you know, that Southern, southern charm. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just people greet you. Good morning. People say good afternoon. People say, thank you. And you're welcome. It's something you don't get in DC and something you don't get in a lot of other major cities. So I, I think there's a lot of sort of city rats out there who, who don't realize that there's this whole other world. Uh, and to be part of this industry, people think you got to live in LA or they think mm-hmm. you got to live in New York. Uh, and now in 2020, that's just so so you know flagrantly off base you don't you don't have to look anywhere <laughs> near those places to do this especially austin man i mean we're not talking about missoula montana this is this is yeah. sort of the la of, of the midwest you know or yeah. are, are well, midwest um no no central this is central america yeah central this america is, <laughs> this, is south, this is southwest this is still considered southwest uh the united states i think yeah, uh, yeah. partially at least the the western part of the state but yeah well, la is moving moving to austin so you know that's pretty yeah. much uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome joe rogan yeah yeah right <laughs> oh yeah tomorrow it's official yep wow we'll need to get him on the podcast now he's my next hell mary him and Kevin Smith trying to get them on the show. Oh, Kevin, Smith. Kevin Smith was my favorite original podcaster, man, back in the day. Really? I listened mm-hmm. to the uh, Smodcast every week when he put out episodes. I, that was my favorite back in the day. 
It was funny after I, uh, me and Keith were laughing after you were like, yeah, sure. I'll be on the show. It was like, holy shit. So I was like flying high. I'm like tweeting at people like Matt Heafy. Do you want to be on the show? Kevin Smith. Do you want to be on the show? Uh, you were the only one that's really said yes so far. Um, <laughs> well, let's get the domino song. I'm the first domino to fall. Let's, let's, let's uh, do it. Yeah. Let's get those guys. Let's do it. You know, not every Hail Mary lands, but you know, Enough of them do to where people have named it Hail Mary. So I'm I'm pleased with this one. And I caught the Hail Mary, and next you'll get Matt Heafy, and then you'll get Rogan, and then you'll get Jared Kushner before you can. (laughs) 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 Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. (laughs) Well, looking at my watch, I think we're at uh, Keith's favorite time of the show, the now infamous Tell Me Something Good segment. So, uh, Mark, you want to kick us off? What's your uh, what's your recommendation for everyone this week? I'm so excited to hear this. This this is this is tough because I um, I was waffling a little bit because I, I recently I know I'm late to playing The Last of Us Two on uh, on PlayStation Four. I've been obsessed with that lately. Uh, my wife and I have been playing Animal Crossing for uh, for Nintendo Switch. Yeah, uh, and we are in love with that game uh, lately. But uh, I have to say the one single sort of piece of media that I've, I've been most hooked on this year is, uh, I'm not sure if you got, have you guys seen this HBO uh, series called, uh, called the outsider? No, oh, not yet. King one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't watched it, but I heard that the, I heard it was pretty good. It is awesome. And I, and I know some people out there who are like, yeah, it's not what I thought it was. I was really disappointed. I was floored, man. And I was yeah. gripped every single episode. Um, Jason Bateman, is one of the stars. I think he's he's Ooh. one of the writers or executive producers on the show as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's based off a Stephen King novel, and it uh, it's one of those shows that you think is going to be a certain way, and then it goes the complete opposite direction, <laughs> and it is just gripping the whole time, man. It, I was so hooked on it. I hadn't been hooked on a show like that uh, for a long time, probably since maybe. Uh, breaking bad or, or better call Saul when that first hit uh nice. yeah but uh but yeah that's been the single the, the single most sort of uh addicting piece of media i ran into this year nice have you watched castle rock yet no what is that castle rock is a show on hulu that's basically a bunch of elements of stephen king novels and shows wrapped mm-hmm. into little hints of a, an original story of Castle Rock, which is right outside of, you know, where Shawshank prison is. Uh-huh. So it's centered around Shawshank, but like there are people in it that you're like, Oh wait, I know that name. Uh-huh. And they're, they're references to his universe. Whoa. It's really cool. The first season's super mm-hmm. cool. The second one I'm halfway through it. It's a little less cool, but still pretty cool. Dang. Castle Rock. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to remember that. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I'm late to the Stephen King party, man. Like I, I, I never really read a lot of his work when I was younger, but like I was a couple episodes into the outsider and I didn't realize it was a Stephen King. Uh, it was based yeah. on a Stephen King novel. And I suppose if you've read the book, you would be less surprised by where the series goes. Well, I, I know you would, but uh, it's still an amazing uh, series. And I recommend it out there to, to anybody who's looking to, uh, to, to watch something pretty damn original. Yeah. Nice. nice. Well, it's a, it's a little known fact that 2020 is actually a Stephen King uh, novel. <clears throat> <laughs> this year this year is just a stephen king novel yeah. it's it's only gonna get weirder 
I hope it ends soon, man. I hope we're near that final chapter. Right. Big, fingers <laughs> crossed. What about you, Jesse? What's your uh, What's your tell me something good recommendation for the week? So this week, uh, I'm I'm recommending a band, um, one CD in particular, but a band in general. Uh, and unfortunately, this recommendation is coming off of the death of the lead singer. Um, so I'm recommending Power Trip. They are a thrash metal band out of Dallas. Um, and unfortunately, last week, uh, their lead singer passed away. Um, not really sure why or what happened, but um, they're an amazing band. Absolutely kind of a melding pot of all the sweet 80s thrash metal. You've got some Testament in there, some Slayer in there, some Metallica, some Overkill, you know, little little hints of Pantera and stuff. So awesome band. It's a shame that uh, that Riley passed. Um, but it's been it's been really kind of interesting in the last week because their album is number one on, I believe, Spotify and Apple Music right now uh, on at least the rock charts. Um, and it's a shame that it took that for more people to get into this band. But at the same time, at least his legacy is living on in a super cool way. So uh, not to not to be a, a dark, gloomy sort of recommendation, but uh, I think uh, I would be remiss if I didn't recommend it at some point. So that one's mine. What, what about you, Keith? Uh, well, I originally was going to recommend a great book because uh, Mark had, had written in his uh, his form that he was a big advocate for mental health advocacy and uh, and working through that. So uh, I was going to recommend uh, a book called Emotional First Aid by a guy named Guy Winch, Dr. Guy Winch. Um, it's a it's a great book on um, basically learning how to identify those really terrible thoughts that you have when you ruminate and when you think about things too much and you drive yourself insane. That won't be my rec recommendation this week, or it'll be half of a recommendation. I will say that I will follow your morbid, morbid uh, <laughs> <laughs> recommendation and, and recommend everybody go out and watch Black Panther just to sort of honor the memory of Chadwick Boseman who passed uh, this weekend uh, of, of cancer. And in fact, he died on the birthday of one of the co-creators of the Black Panther, Jack Kirby. Uh, so that he died on Jack Kirby's birthday. So definitely recommend you go out and watch the Black Panther. But if you are feeling particularly sad and you're ruminating too much, I definitely recommend Emotional First Aid by Guy Winch. Uh, well, and it's G-U-Y. So it should be Guy, but I think he's French. And I think they say Guy if, if uh, they're French. So that's my... Tell me something good recommendation. I think that's it for the good recommendations. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that book. I've never heard of that book before. I, I'll, I'll make a note. Yeah. Okay. Emotional first aid. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dig it. If you're a, if you're a fan of um, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is sort of the DIY of, uh, of psychology, <laughs> Where you're mm -hmm. basically identifying what is the the true thought and what is the observer brain that's making ridiculous statements about uh, what's happening, and then what is the observer brain that's observing the observer brain? You know that sort of further deepness and and identifying those crazy thoughts that you might be having. And I'm and I say crazy tongue in cheek because uh, I don't think uh, crazy is the right word, but thoughts that don't align with reality and being able to sort of identify. Okay, well that that's not right. If you if you're saying I'm a I'm a bad person, and then you if you really think about it, you're like, well, I'm not a bad person. I did all these great things. Um, so you know, anyway, we're getting deep down the rabbit hole here. Maybe 
<laughs> maybe we we transition off of tell me something good and 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 we get into that with you mark i mean you 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 put this down as something in mental health advocacy is something that you you're passionate about um tell us a little bit about that well yeah i mean this has been something that is uh it's been pretty important to me kind of um it, it almost lined up serendipitously with coronavirus and with all of this you know all this mayhem around the stoppage of work for musicians um and it, so I, I decided to try going to therapy late last year. And it's something that I felt like I, I, I needed a change. I needed some kind of a different voice in my life. And I, I, was, I was raised sort of with this kind of latent notion that therapy was only for people who have some like crazy debilitating madness, you know, or, 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 or yeah. they are, are really fucking up in life or something like that. And, and no one ever sat me down and told me that. Like my father never sat me down and said, hey, you only need therapy if you're fucked up. But I just always had this um, sort of stigma towards it, right? That I never really realized. Um, and I decided to give it a shot last year. And it, it's been a complete life changer for me, uh, being able to mm -hmm. sit down and, uh, and talk to someone completely unbiased, someone with no vested interest in my life, someone who doesn't know what I am, care who I am, care about what I do, uh, and, and who can sit there and one, listen, uh, and, and two, sort of find out more about me and, and, uh, and find out how certain things that happened earlier in my life affect who I am now, which is a concept that I had never, ever thought about before. Um, mm. I'm talking about things that may have happened, you know, like, I don't know what your guys' childhood backgrounds are like, but, you know, mine is, I have a pretty complex uh, upbringing. You know, I was raised uh, in the Philippines uh, and, mm. and uh, I lived there for 11 years. My parents divorced. My mom got remarried uh, and I moved around like once a year and not moving like towns, but moving countries. So I'd be in a different wow. country every year. And uh, what that did to my social life as a kid uh, was, was just crushing, you know, mm. and, in retrospect, like I look at, I look at what I do now and I'm like, Oh God, thank, I'm thankful. I had such a sort of worldly upbringing, you know, otherwise the travel I, I think would be a lot more uh, jarring uh, in periphery, but there are all these things that I never took a good, honest look at about my life, uh, my upbringing and say, well, how does that, how does that affect me now? How does that affect this characteristic, this personality trait? Um, and just, getting a chance to talk about those things and sort of lay them out on a table and, and, and hone in on each one of them. Uh, it's been life changing. And, and for me, that was a, that was a really positive change in my life and something that I started to reap the benefits of right as coronavirus hit in March. Mm. So then I started to reach out and notice that all my friends or some of them were having issues adjusting to this life potentially without, the touring business without the music industry being a full force. And, uh, I mean, that's just this sector. I mean, every, literally everybody's being impacted by this right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think it's something that we all have to be more cognizant of than ever, uh, yeah. with, with this crazy shakeup in the world happening. I mean, one of my friends, he's a, you know, he's a father of two, two young girls. And, and one of them had basically a, a freak out. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, she's, she's eight years old and she, you know, 
can't go to school basically, or she had to homeschool for several months and she can't see her friends. I mean, that's what it's doing to children, what it's doing to working adults, what it's doing to students. Uh, it's just all across the board, pretty crushing. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that's been my world. It's It's been something I've been um, trying to maintain a, a routine of meditation, uh, um, a laundry list of other things I've been, uh, I've been working on to sort of stay sharp, stay positive, stay focused on things I can control uh, and stop worrying about, you know, how long this may last, uh, what this could do to the industry. And it's sort mm-hmm. of a, yeah, sort of a masterclass for myself and, uh, and, and, and worrying only about the small number of things I can't control in life. And once I realized that that's pretty small, like I can only control a really small amount of things in life, it's sort of this relaxed kind of, okay, cool. I don't need to worry so much, you know, it's, it's work pounding that in there. Yeah. 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 That's very self-aware of you. That's, that's really awesome that you're doing that. I know that Jesse and I often joke that we're both curmudgeons and we're both misanthropes and I'm, yeah. I'm probably more of a misanthrope than, than Jesse is in many cases. But uh, even, even I have experienced this sort of malaise that has sort of fallen over uh, and created somewhat of a brain fog during this entire um, sort of lockdown. Cause we're a hundred percent work from home until maybe sometime next year. Uh, and so um, it, it's, it's, it does have an incredible effect. I've heard, I've heard stats on increases in child suicide of all things. I mean, this is really not a great time. And I can see why there is so much incredible tension in the streets and on social media as people talk to each other, because we're all under a tremendous amount of stress uh, right now. And I think if everyone was as self-aware as you and had taken the time to sort of look inward and have someone help look inward. Uh, that would have really been a, a big help. But obviously we know the mental health accessibility in this country is not the best. Uh, it's really not. And if, in, you know, I personally have seen therapists in the past and I know that I had to schedule an appointment four to five months out uh, in order to be able to see them just because the availability wasn't there. So it's something to be fixed, I think, as as a country. But I'm really glad you're you're looking inward and and doing that sort of uh, therapeutic meditation and and seeking out help. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's um it's funny, man. Like you, you just referenced all the ugliness out there, the chaos in the streets, the social media. I mean, just try popping on Twitter for five minutes, and it's brutal. <laughs> no know? thanks. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, obviously, there, there's riots happening in this country for 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 very real, serious reasons, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. real systemic things that need to be addressed in our country. But I feel like these things are all related. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like everything, the, the, the systemic outrage, like you said, the malaise, there's just, there's just this, there's this, um, it, it's almost this tangible kind of discomfort across our entire world, not just the States, but like every, everybody's experiencing it. And, I think now is a perfect time to have that conversation. I, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and see a psychiatrist, but I'm saying start to be more aware of and not to be too soapboxy right now, but be aware of one's own mental health. Just be aware mm-hmm. of it. You know, like mm-hmm. instead of sitting up at, at, at night and, and scrolling Facebook till two in the morning, maybe realize that you should have a cutoff time. Maybe yeah. realize that like that doing nothing but reading the opinions of people on Facebook or Twitter is not the most healthy thing you can be doing with your time. 
you know, and just, yeah. just having that simple sentence said to you or just saying it to yourself can set things into motion. You know, it doesn't have to be this complete reinvention of your life, but maybe just a whisper to yourself that, hey, maybe I can be doing something else with my time. Maybe I, I should be focusing more on me as opposed to what, you know, 20 strangers are saying about how coronavirus is fake. Um, so I know one, one thing for me, um, and it's always kind of been a constant in my life, and I would imagine with you as well, um, the, the, the thing that kind of keeps me grounded always, the thing I go to whenever I, you know things just aren't working out or either I'm in a good mood and I just need something to, to keep that kind of spirit going, uh, is music. It's always been music. It's ever since I was little. Um, and that's kind of what's been keeping me going through the pandemic is listening to music and, you know, when I'm not working or playing music for my daughter or, you know, things like that. So I'm wondering how, how is music non-professionally playing a role in your life right now, or even just in general, how has it been playing it's, a role in your life? It's, it's enormous. And this is the kind of thing I'm saying, um, you know, back, back when I, when I just said, like, you don't need to go out and see a therapist, a psychiatrist, or even read a book, but do things where you're able to say that, okay, this is good for me. Listening to music is good for me. Playing this video game is good for me. Going for a walk is good for me. Is surfing social media good for me? You know? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yes, no. Sorry, no. It's, it's never, yes, you know, it's, it, it's always, it's always, it's always the same kind of product. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been listening to more music recreationally than ever. Um, like I just sort of invested in, uh, like a good vinyl player downstairs and I got like a, a collection that I'm building up and, and for the first time in years, I just sit down and I, I listen to music without doing anything else. I'm not surfing the internet. I'm just listening to the music and, and reading the lyrics, looking at the artwork. And it's, it's pretty therapeutic, man. And I don't know, it's, it's something where I say to myself, I'm like, how come I haven't been doing this for years? Uh, you know, how come? <laughs> how come it's been so long since I've done this, like sort of look at music as, as an escape, as opposed to something I just do for my job. Uh, and I've been, I've been writing a lot of music here too, obviously, like I've been uh, working on my home studio and, and um, this is actually the room that you guys are talking to me in is, uh, is my studio. And, um, and yeah, I've been really productive on that front, but, but more than ever, I'm trying to look at it as, as a way to just, just be me, you know, cl clutch onto mm -hmm. my identity without getting lost in, in this negativity that that's very easy to get sucked into, um, with everything happening. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that stuff is, is super important, man. And even if you're not a musician, even if you're listening to this and you're not a musician or you're not a big music buff, surely there are things that you love doing. Surely you have passions mm -hmm. and interests and things that you can sync uh, your energy to, and that, you know, unequivocally are, are, are good for you, you know? So yeah, th thank God for music, man. I, I, yeah. I don't know where I would be without just listening to it less, much less playing it, but just, just listening to it. What, uh, what are you listening to the most right now? Um, all right. Well, I'm listening to, so there's this, uh, Icelandic composer named, uh, Olafur Arnolds. Have you, have you heard of him? And the name sounds familiar. Okay. I'll send you guys a link. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, his name is Olafur Arnolds. He's like an Icelandic uh, piano player slash composer. Um, but uh, I listen to a lot of that kind of music in my house. Yeah. It was like really chill, um, uh, peaceful music. Uh, there's another band called Hammock. Have you heard of Hammock? Mm -mm. Okay. 
uh, like hammock, like the thing you put in your backyard. Yeah. 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 Um, But uh, I love, I love, it's again, it's super peaceful, sort of uh, melancholy, uh, just beautiful music. Um, Yeah. That's another one I recommend. How about you? Nice. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. I've been listening to a lot of weird stuff lately. But like I, I go with the seasons. It's strange. My music really if, like impacts my mood. So me and my wife joke that as soon as Austin gets cold, one of us will have the <laughs> when it's cold moment and then mayhem comes on. Um, and then it's like black metal for three months. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to Mirker a lot last year. Mm. And then when she dropped her new album, that's so just Icelandic folk. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to dig this. Like, it's not that it, she went a different direction. I wouldn't dig it, but I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I listened to it and was like, holy shit, this is really cool. So I, yeah. I jammed that a bunch. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I've been listening to, uh, do you know Isan? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've listened to a bunch of his solo records. I just got a, a vinyl for uh, In the Nightside Eclipse, Emperor's first record. Did you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just... The black metal is fun too because I'm working on new haunted shores, so I need new inspiration. So yeah, a lot of. Really- I was going to ask you that because I know you're a big Emperor fan. Yeah, and and Periphery is about as far from that sort of stuff as you can get. How mm-hmm. do you find that being into you know this more classical type music, and then you know on the other extreme black metal? How does that impact your your writing? It's all an escape. It's like it's one thing to escape the other, you know. <laughs> periphery is like this, this, you know, sort of perfectionist uh, democracy of a band. You know, it's it's yeah. it's highly produced, and there's a lot of moving parts involved, and that's what makes it good. You know, that's what makes it work on so many levels. Uh, is all the checks and balances in place, and and all the sort of opinions and and, and cooks in the kitchen. Um, the beauty of Haunted Shores is that it's just two people, you know, it's Misha and I, and it's mm-hmm. a free for all. And the reason I love that style of music is because it's a reaction to all the perfection, you know, black metal yeah. is very anti-perfection and anti-aesthetic and, and, and anti-polish really. It's just, it's about attitude and the energy and, and that's really it. It's almost like the metal version of punk rock if you think about it, mm, you know, it's, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. L- listening to you, you talk about your composer who you're listening to. And my thought immediately went to reptile uh, mm-hmm. because it's, it's very much an opus. Um, I mean, it, it's a, is that a 16 minute song? Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, it's not 16 minutes of the same riff. It's not a 16 minutes of the same um uh, even feeling in many cases, there's it is it, it's almost like it, it takes this great grand uh, journey through a various a variety of emotions. And I was I thought, how often do the composers like that affect what you put together in your music? Oh, it's 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 so important. I mean, it's the reason we end up going on these sort of you know I I, I call it like thread chasing. You know, it's like we're we're just, we're, we're chasing something we don't know what it is but we have to follow the next sort of stepping stone and that song was supposed to be like a three and a half minute song you know and, and then something spoke to us we were like ah it still has to say something like there's still something there let's keep going and we just kept doing that and all of a sudden it was like eight minutes and then 10 minutes and then 12 minutes <laughs> and then 16 
And we're, we're just a fan of that kind of um, tension and, and drama in a song. And, and I think that's part of sort of piano-based music and, uh, and classical music and orchestral music that I like is, is there's all these dynamics. There's swells and there's parts where it dies mm-hmm. down and there's another buildup. And it's very much this long statement, which if you just listen to 30 or 45 seconds of it, you don't really get a whole lot. You know, you don't hear the dynamics. Whereas in metal, you hear a lot of different dynamics in 30, 45 mm-hmm. seconds. Sometimes you can digest a whole song in 30 or 45 seconds. You're like, okay, I get this. But um, I, I like to find that balance between. There, there are some metal songs that work, uh, you know, just being sort of a punch in the face. But then some of my favorite metal songs of all time, and this is why I love bands like Opeth and Dream Theater, is is that the statements are more grandiose they're longer you can look at them from further away and realize oh wow you know this part of something way bigger you know mm-hmm. and it takes time to digest and, and i adore that yeah i was thinking of enigma machine is is another perfect example of of uh, a dream theater song that just i mean it's a really long song uh, but yeah. it it really does hit the all of those peaks and, and valleys as well I love it. I, the first time I ever heard a song like that was Metallica's Master of Puppets. When, when, I, oh, when yeah. I first heard that, I was like, I didn't know that you're allowed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you're allowed yeah. to make like a, like a 10 minute thrash song, you know, with like clean parts and harmonized guitars. And like, I didn't know you're allowed to just, just like the, the, the verse in that song doesn't even have a real time signature. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not allowed to do these things. And, and <laughs> I was doing them. And Dream Theater was another big uh, sort of game changer for me because I didn't know you were allowed to have, you know, an album that was just one song. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That kind of bridges into something that I've been curious about. Uh, when I met you uh, a few years ago, it was at a show that you played with animals as leaders here in Austin during South by, which was paired with a clinic. So it was like six hours of you guys and you guys hung out and it was like super cool. But I I asked Tosin, what was it like when all of a sudden people like Steve Vai started coming out saying, you know, like, Oh, you're, you're such an amazing artist. Like that has to get to your head at some point with your immediate connection through Jake to someone like John Petrucci. What's it like knowing that when you put something out, more than likely that dude is going to hear it. <laughs> so weird. It's one of the things I don't like to think about too much because it, it, it makes me, no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it's a good question because you think it would be the other way around. And sometimes like in my best moments, like when I get a little bit of perspective, it's fucking amazing to think of that. But most of the time it's a little weird and, and terrifying because like I, I try and say to myself, like, oh, it's, it's all good, man. It's just music. It's just art. But there's a certain level of, um, like, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Like, I, okay, this is a story that I, that I hate thinking about, but I'm going to say <laughs> it. It's kind of illustrative of, of the kind of effect that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I remember this was, like, 2013 or something like that. We, we played a show in L.A., and I knew that night that there were a ton of industry people there and a lot of guitar players that I looked up to were in the audience. Um, like I knew the Animals as Leaders guys were there. I knew Tosin was there. I, I'm pretty sure one or two of the Dream Theater guys were there. Maybe Steve Vai was there. There was just, there was a ton of guitar players out there who I 
just worshiped. And I was like, okay, I got to nail the solo tonight. We were playing the song, have a blast where I play <laughs> a really challenging solo written by, you know, this guy named Guthrie Govin. And, uh, I had to play that solo that night. And I remember, okay, just do that. Well, I can, I can fuck up the rest of the set and I can live with myself. But if I mess that solo up, I will hate myself forever. And the solo comes up and like the first, like real dramatic bend in the solo, I break a string. Oh no. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I have to sort of turn around and like, I just, I really just wanted to crawl like behind the amplifier and just go to sleep. You know, like <laughs> I wanted to disappear. And it, it, in my head, I was like, could, I, could that have happened like any other night? Like we just played Tucson the night before. Could that have happened in Tucson? Like really when nobody was at the show? And of course it happened there. And uh, that kind of experience makes you sort of rethink how much you invest in what other people think of you. And when it comes to your idols, you at least I find myself caring a lot about what my idols think. And it's sort of, it goes hand in hand with this therapy thing we were talking about before and how you can affect things that you control versus things you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to teach myself that, you know, if one of my heroes likes what I do, that's like a pinch me kind of, you know, dream. If they don't, I can't be too bummed out about it, but I, I, I can't let it sort of affect or dictate what I do. With that being said, I think it's freaking amazing that somebody like John or somebody like Devin Townsend, um, you know, is a fan or they, they like our music or they, they like us enough to take us on tour. Uh, it's, it's unreal. But, uh, but yeah, it's a sort of tricky, like high wire, like a uh, balancing act I have to do in my head. It's like, okay, <laughs> I can't fanboy out too much. Like I have to be have to hold, hold it together and like, just realize that like, you know, maybe they're as insecure about their product as we are. Like, you know, maybe they're as weird about their art as I am. You know, it's 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 a weird it's a weird balance. Well, and they also break strings too. So, like for example, um, Jesse and I, uh, along with his wife and, and a good friend of mine, went to go see G three when they came mm. through Austin. And so uh, it was the tour with uh, Joe Satriani, John Petrucci, and Phil Collin, yeah. and. Um, you know, we got through Phil Collin, we got through John Petrucci, and out comes Joe Satriani for his set. And sure enough, he gets into, I think it might have been his third or fourth song, uh, and he broke a string. Now, with the kind of guitar that he plays, that whammy bar, as soon as you break a string, there is no pulling a Steve, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, oh crap, I'm suddenly blanking on Austin's most famous guitarist. Oh, Stevie Ray Vaughan? Uh, Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah, absolutely. You know, not, there's no Stevie Ray Vaughan moment where he just basically changes uh, the strings he's playing. Uh, when you when you break a, a string with a whammy bar like that, it throws everything oh. off. So, you yeah. know, here for, I think it took him a full minute and a half to get the guy to change the string out and, and retune him. Uh, we're sitting here listening to the drums and the bass player go off of on, you know, with each other uh, while we're watching this. So, you know. I wouldn't beat myself up too much on a broken string because it happened to Joe Satriani and Joe Satriani yeah. taught Steve Vai yeah. and everybody else in the industry. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, man. And, and it's something that I, I often sober, my, sober myself up with, like after something like that happens, I'm like, okay, you know, like that stuff happens, mistakes happen. It literally, like you, you watch, you watch, you know, you watch Michael Jordan play a game and he misses a lot of shots in a game. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the best major league baseball hitters of all time 
they still didn't get a hit seven out of the 10 times they went to the plate. If you bat 300, yep. you're still failing seven times out of 10. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, about not obsessing over the things you can't control. It's not like anyone in the audience would be like, he broke a string. Fuck him. That was on purpose. <laughs> like, <laughs> he did this self-sabotaging. Like that's, that would be such an impossible thing to do. Bad I don't think anyone bastard. would look at it. Yeah. Oh, screw yeah. that guy. Breaking yeah. string. What an yeah. asshole. <laughs> He's a hack. He broke a string. Yeah. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. Do you know how much I paid for these tickets? The funny thing about that concert was, and this is again famous people just everywhere in Austin. Um, Phil Collin was wrapping up his set uh, for that particular concert, and I noticed there was some movement next to me. I thought I had sort of the road to myself, and I could easily leave to go to the bathroom if I needed to. Whatever you know, it's like nobody's sitting in those seats. Well. Sure enough, as Phil Collins playing, some people move into those seats, blocking my exit. Not that I was going to leave anytime soon, but I looked over and it was Robert Rodriguez and his his crew <laughs> sitting right beside me at the G3 concert. Wow. So, you know, anyway, wow. it was, that was and, and Keith totally wimped out. I was like, Keith, just look at him and be like, Bobby, and he <laughs> Bobby. wouldn't do it. So. <laughs> Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Um, Bobby, I got to get out, Bob. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking at my time, and I think uh, I think we're at the lightning round. Cool. Oh, lightning round. All right, let's let's I'm not kill my. <laughs> there it is. Three. There's three in a row. Love it. Lightning, lightning, lightning. <laughs> Just don't sing the grease song. Uh, okay. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. This is our, our round in which we basically ask every guest the same questions and we get an idea of how everyone would answer these questions individually uh, and give us some consistency across the episodes. So if you're ready to go, we can start the lightning round. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. How do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work? Ooh, without my hobbies, I wouldn't have my full-time work. It's the same thing. It's 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 the same thing, really. And if you're not talking about music, then you're you're talking about video games and 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 reading and things like that. And that makes me want to come back to music. It's all this uh, cyclical uh, design meant to inspire. Yeah, that's awesome. If you could be one fictional character, who would it be? Ooh. Bruce Wayne, because he was rich <laughs> and mysterious and anonymous and, mysteri and a ninja and uh, so many other and things. And a ninja. <laughs> yeah. Um, but his parents got other killed in a really brutal way. Right now. No, that no, is no, true. No, yeah, um, it is. And it caused a, an incredible amount of psychological dra trauma for him. So, you know, whatever yeah. psychological trauma we all have now, you know, he probably had 10 times what we have. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lastly, what other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint? Oh, I, I, there's no way I would ever get into it because I'm just too old at this point and, and I don't have the body for it, but I've always, I, I always dreamed of being a professional athlete when I was younger. That's all that I wanted to do when I was a kid. I used to only want to play basketball, play professional basketball. That was my uh, dream when I was a kid, but now 
it would probably be doing something in the music industry, man. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe a journalist, maybe work somewhere at a guitar company, so, somewhere. I know this is like the most unimaginative answer ever, but something still affiliated with this business because uh, I love it. I live it and I breathe it. Uh, so it would be definitely something in this realm. I, I would like to be maybe a, a critic because that, that could mean I just talk shit at people all day. You know? <laughs> I think I should get and break strings. <laughs> fuck him. Worst band ever. Yeah. Let's cancel him. You broke a string. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as in terms of athletes, I mean, you're still young enough to where you could go into golf. There you go. That's uh, there's an idea for you. I guess if you think about it, I may be too young to go into golf because don't you have to be like a sixty-something? <laughs> That's funny. I got into golf last year. Uh, oh really. Yeah, yeah, and there's this there's a course right around my house that I go to every now and then until COVID hit, and I, I started watching the Golf Channel pretty frequently, and I heard them talking about like, yeah, this guy's 45, he's in his prime of golf. Like, what the <laughs> prime right now? Like, he's a young man in the golf game. Like, wow, awesome. That's crazy. 32. Let's do this. I've got several years left in me. That's so wild how the how the your your prime ages differ across these different kinds of sports. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, wild. listen, listen. If you get into bocce ball now, you are set for life. <laughs> You're so- I won't hit my prime in bocce ball for another twenty five years. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, that is the end of the lightning round, and thank you so much for participating in that. Did I do that Nothing. right? Was that a good lightning round? Yeah, uh, that yeah. was a really great. That was a great okay. lightning round. Let's just say it again. At it. <laughs> I was really hoping that you would pull out like all the stops and be like, "I want to be Thor." Like, if I could be one fictional character, it would be Thor because I like lightning. <laughs> What's your favorite Metallica album? Is it Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning? Uh, load reload i don't know i'm I'm joking i'm joking see okay okay we're gonna get into that i live in the world of i grew up on load and reload i'm okay with those two albums yeah i'm okay with them too i'm like especially if you you know uh, are if you consider the worst metallica to be like saint anger and lulu and stuff like that load Mm -hmm. and reload is a masterpiece yeah so that's great I pretty much I, the only thing I don't like by them realistically are Stanger yeah, and Stanger. Uh, calling it Stanger, Stanger, and uh, I'm just over the Black Album. It's you a good like album, Black but I'm tired of it because oh, that was the only album of them I was able to listen to because it wasn't remotely explicit when I was younger. So I just blared yeah. that shit all the time. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we are at time. Um, so just wanted to you know, again say thank you again for being on this, man. This was, this was a lot of fun. It was great chatting with you. So we really appreciate you coming on. Well, Absolutely. thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure to, to hang out with you guys for a little bit. And, uh, and don't be a stranger. I mean, we, don't, we all don't live uh, that far from each other. Yeah, we'll have to meet up once this is done, or we can maybe do a social distancing bocce ball game in my front yard. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm down, yeah. Yeah, we'll st- we'll stay, you know, ten to sixteen feet away for whatever yeah. the CDC recommends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It'll be great. Uh, and hey, maybe maybe we can do a a full band show if you can get the rest of the guys interested. Yeah, one of these days, man. I mean, who knows when <laughs> when we'll be able to tour again? But uh, we'll, you know, I, I, there's no telling how long we could sit out. 
touring for, but yeah. uh, I think periphery have always been in the boat of let's not tour unless we need to. We don't we don't yeah. like to tour a whole lot. We we like to do one time around the U.S. Um, after every record. So uh, who knows? Next time you see us, we may have a new record to support. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ooh, you definitely yeah, have nice. a satanic ramen themed clothing line, which I fully support. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll be supporting yeah. like, man, we got so much backlash because of that. Really? Uh, oh, man. We like we put out one goat head with a joke upside down cross on it. And uh, people got so bent out of shape. So when when you put out that uh, the tweet about it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I, I need to get these. These shirts are fantastic. They they mix my ramen tatsuya shirt with my black craft cult shirts. This is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, and and then I saw a couple of people like, oh, my God, Periphery went satanic. And me and my wife were like, the last album was called Hail Stan. Yeah. And literally <laughs> has a bottom it on the front. Like, it's hidden, but it's there. Like, yeah. And yeah. not that you guys are a satanic band. You guys just like taking the piss out of people. So <laughs> really I don't see how that's not evident. Like, I, I'm not going to tell people that they're slow or anything like that. But like, come on, man. Like, you, you got to look at you got to look at the 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 writing on the wall here it's like in, in no way shape or form are we serious it makes us laugh it's ridiculous like you should see some of the stuff that we have in the works for for bottom ramen it's just a bunch of really stupid designs with uh with uh with food and satanic satanic imagery uh, it's all for a laugh bottom ramen not a sponsor yet yet yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome man well thanks again we appreciate it and you know we'll chat with you soon yeah, thank you guys. Have a great rest of your Monday. This has been the Austin Otaku Podcast. To learn more about us and our show, to be a guest, or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.